Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to worship with you. If you're watching online, it's great to be with you this morning as well. You know, at some point in our lives, we all wonder, what is the meaning of life? Have you ever asked yourself this question, like, what is the meaning of it all? Maybe questions like this. What's the point of all of this? Why am I here? What's life really all about? What leads to true happiness, satisfaction, and fulfillment in life? Especially when you find yourself in the midst of the last year that we've had, we might even ask those questions a little bit more frequently. Maybe you ask those questions when you experience loss or pain. Or maybe you find yourself looking at yourself in the mirror after a failure or a mistake, feeling guilt, feeling shame, and pondering these questions all over again. Maybe it was a huge success that you had in life, something that you thought if you just did this one thing, that's going to lead to true fulfillment and happiness in my life. You do that one thing, and then you find yourself feeling emptier than you did before the success, and you begin to ponder these questions. See, people everywhere in the world ponder the meaning of life, but most people can't agree on the meaning. Is life about love? Is it about wealth? Is it about a good 401k? Is it about working hard during the week and living for the weekends? Is it about saving up so that you can go on dream vacations? Is it about making a contribution to society? Is it about world peace? What is the meaning of all of this? Why are we here? You see, we spend our lives pursuing happiness, pursuing meaning, pursuing fulfillment. We set goals for ourselves. But when we achieve these goals, sometimes we still don't feel satisfied. There's a guy by the name of Tom Brady. You might have heard of him. He's about to play in another Super Bowl a week from today. He's considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. And after he won his first three Super Bowls, in his mid-20s, he had already won three Super Bowls, more than most people had ever achieved in their career, in their lifetime. Three, a dynasty. He sat down with 60 Minutes and did an interview, and here's what he said. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Since then, after his third Super Bowl, he married a supermodel. 
They have millions of dollars. They have fame. They have fortune. Three more Super Bowl rings. He's got six now. And after his sixth Super Bowl ring, he left New England at the end of last year, and he said these words when he left. I'm not going to retire yet at 43 because I still feel like I have something to prove. Still. More Super Bowl rings than anyone in history. Money, fame, everything that this life pretty much has to offer, he's experienced. In fact, he looks better at 43 than he did at 25. That's hard to do. But I have a feeling even if he goes into next Sunday and wins a seventh ring, it's still not going to be the thing that makes him feel satisfied or fulfilled. Because it's never enough when we're looking for things like that to fill the void inside. We have this mentality a lot of times that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. So we go fence hopping in an attempt to find fulfillment and satisfaction. Maybe this will get me there. Maybe that corner office. Maybe if I made this much money, we put a number on it, that's going to be the thing. Maybe if I meet the woman of my dreams or the man of my dreams and I get to marry them and spend my life with them, that's going to be the thing. Maybe a vacation home in the winter months. Come on, Florida, sounds good right about now. That would be the thing. That's going to get you close, I'll tell you that. But as a church, over the last decade, we have experienced our share of pain and loss. Some of you have gone through such heartache and pain, and you're still here, and I applaud you for that. We've got people that we loved and care about. They're no longer with us anymore. And we've, for, we've been forced to come to a hard realization that life's a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So what's the purpose of it all? You know, one of the strangest books in the Bible is the book of Ecclesiastes. It's written by Solomon. Solomon was a king of Israel, and according to the Bible, he was the wisest man who ever lived. And God allowed Solomon to have everything a person could ever want in this life. I mean, he makes Tom Brady look like Tom had nothing. Like, this guy had everything, bottomless wealth, worldwide fame, absolute power over a nation, hundreds of beautiful wives, peace instead of war, and the wisdom to manage it all. You need some wisdom with all those mother-in-laws, come on, you know what I mean? Mine's not here this morning. I love you, Ma, if you're watching online. But Solomon had all the glory. He had everything you could wish for. And he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a rather disturbing book, where he ponders the meaningless things of life. 
And as you read it, you start to get a little bit depressed. Sometimes I wonder why God included this in the canon of scripture, like this book. But I believe it's because it really shares an important message with us that we all need to benefit from. You see, Solomon, he was smart enough to look around. And he saw people who were frantically going after the meaning of life, trying to find happiness, trying to find pleasure, trying to figure it out. And he's watching everyone. And don't look now, but thousands of years later, we're all doing the same thing. We just might have a little more technology at our hand. So Solomon, he he goes on this adventure. He decides to use all of his resources to attempt to achieve happiness. He decides to use every single thing at his disposal to find happiness. And when you're reading about all the stuff this guy has, you just wonder, how is this guy not happy? He should be happier. But he attempts to find happiness in all of these things, and no matter what, he really can't do it. In Ecclesiastes 1, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, and we're going to look through all of the things that Solomon does to try to find meaning in life. And this is how the book starts. Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 2. It says, these are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Verse 2. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Everything. Wow. Did I tell you it's a little bit of a depressing book? And let me tell you, it goes down from there. If you think it can't get worse than that, it starts to go downhill from there. So he goes through some things that he attempts to find meaning in. The first thing he goes, he looks at his intelligence. Maybe intelligence is the thing that's going to help me find meaning. In Ecclesiastes 1, 18, he says this, The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. He doesn't find it in intelligence. He starts looking for meaning. Maybe if I'm the smartest person in the room, maybe if I walk into a room and I can outsmart any person and be more intelligent than anyone, that'll be the thing that finds meaning. Nope. It didn't work. So he goes to the next thing, pleasure. Ecclesiastes 2.10 says this, Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Think about this guy talking. This guy had a get-out-of-jail-free card. He could literally do whatever he wanted with no consequence. And he tried it all. And he says, it's all meaningless. There's nothing worthwhile 
anywhere. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Come on, don't you feel encouraged by that? Well, we're not done yet. Let's keep going. He tries wisdom in Ecclesiastes 2, 14. He says this, Yet I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. Both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up the same as a fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is all so meaningless. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. And the days to come, both will be forgotten. So why should I have all this wisdom? Why did God grant me all this wisdom if it's not going to do me any more good than the foolish person down the road? It's meaningless. And he goes on to work. Maybe a good, hard day of work. Maybe that's going to be the thing that, that makes me find fulfillment. Ecclesiastes 2, 21. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill. Then they must leave the fruit of their, their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless. A great tragedy So what do people get in this life for all their work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief, and even at night their minds cannot rest. It's all meaningless. I tried to do work and find fulfillment at work. You know what? I'm staying up all night. I'm dreaming. I'm thinking about stuff. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. For what? I'm going to perish, and this stuff will still be around, and I'm going to end up giving it to someone who didn't work for it. It's meaningless. What about power? This is something that a lot of people long to have as power. If I had power, that would be the thing. And this is what he says about power. Verse 16, endless crowds stand around him, but then another generation grows up and rejects him too. So it's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Yeah, I got power today. But then when I'm gone, someone else is going to rise, undo everything I just did. What's the point of all of it? What's the point of all of it? Then righteousness. Ecclesiastes 8. Maybe it's just righteous, you know, righteous, good living. Ecclesiastes 8, 14. And this is not all that's meaningless in our world. In this life, good people are often treated as though they are wicked. And wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is meaningless. You could try to be good. You could try to do the right thing. And sometimes the people who do the wrong thing and who are wicked, they're the ones that are promoted. They're the ones that are treated like they're good. And sometimes the people who do the right thing are treated like they're wicked. This is wrong. It's meaningless. There's no point in it. That's not where he found fulfillment. How about talent? There's something about having a talent that maybe no one else has. Being the best at something. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11. I've observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, 
by being in the right place at the right time. The most talented person doesn't always win. Just ask Aaron Rodgers about that. He knows. They don't always win. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the fight. The person with the talent doesn't always make the most money. Meaningless. You're seeing a theme here. Let's go one more. Education. Maybe that's a thing. Ecclesiastes 12. 12. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books. It's, be careful for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. <laughs> some college students can say amen to that right now. Cheer up a little bit, King Solomon. Right? Man. What a weird book. Why did God put this in here? Why did he do it? I believe he did it because he wanted to point us to what really does bring meaning. If all of these things do not bring fulfillment, and all of them were decent things to pursue in this life, But if they're not the thing that brings ultimate satisfaction, fulfillment, or meaning, what is? The last verse of the book of Ecclesiastes 12. 12. I'm sorry, 13 says this. Well, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. So it's safe to say that none of us will have the absolute wealth and power that King Solomon had. None of us will go through that in this life. So what are we supposed to do with this information? You see, at some point we have to exit off of the hamster wheel of life and take an honest look at our own happiness, satisfaction, and fulfillment and what we are trying to pursue in order to find it. What are we going after? Because I'll tell you what, if you're not happy at the income level you are now, if you're not happy with the marital status you have right now, if you're not happy in singleness, you won't be happy married. If you're not happy in your job, you won't be happy when you get promoted. Because those things, even though they're good things, they don't Bring true happiness to a person. And don't get me wrong. There's pleasure in this world that can lead to temporary happiness. I'm sure having money and wealth can lead to temporary happiness. I've been on some trips where I'm like, wow, I'm a happier person because I'm here right now. I'm sure money can buy you some things that bring temporary happiness. I really believe that. I'm sure there's some pleasures in this world that lead to happiness temporarily. That's why people pursue them. But it doesn't lead to ultimate happiness, true fulfillment and satisfaction because it's not found in anything that this life has to offer. Ironically, True happiness, meaning, and satisfaction 
is not found in this life at all. It's found in God. Solomon said, fear God and obey his commands. Now that word fear does not mean terror. It means total awe. When you're in total awe of the majesty of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, in awe of a God who created this beautiful world and everything we see, in awe of the fact that God loved us so much that even in our sin, he sent a savior to this world to take on the form of a man, to die the most horrific death in history, but not to stay dead, to rise from the dead and conquer death and give us eternity. That's what we find fulfillment in. That's the only thing that's going to bring true fulfillment and happiness. We're in a series called Jesus. Because if we're all honest, church, we've taken our eyes a little bit off of him and put him onto the cares of this world. And when that happens, when we, when we shift our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at the things that matter on this world, what happens? They begin to crumble. They begin to fall apart. And what does that leave you doing? It leaves you questioning your faith, wondering where God is. Why aren't you here? Because God never intended for us to put our eyes on the meaningless things of life, but to keep them on him. This is why he told us, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. This is why he says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto you. But what do we do? So many times we put our mind, we put our eyes, we we put our thinking on the things of this world. And we try to control things that are outside of our control, and we get frustrated, and we get angry, and we get fearful, and we get upset. And we get depressed. And it leads us down a road that leads us further and further away from God and further and further from the truth and further and further from what brings true fulfillment and satisfaction in this life. See, if we really want to find what matters in life, we need to consider eternity. Because eternal things don't die. Life is unpredictable. It's short. We can make plans and we can go after those plans and in an instant those plans change. I can lose people. I can lose stuff. But there's something I can't lose. I can't lose Jesus Christ in my life. He has saved me. He's redeemed me. He called me a son. I will spend an eternity with him in heaven, with the people that I love who've passed before me. I am a son of the living God. God chooses to see me as righteous because of Jesus. These are the eternal things that I cannot lose and that will bring me true fulfillment in this life. You see, Jesus is the ultimate meaning of life. His message, his person, is what brings fulfillment. Fulfillment's not found in nothing, in anything else. My wife is an interior designer. Uh, She does that on the side, and 
I've picked up on a few of her interior design techniques over the years. And she, when she walks into a room and she's going to design it, she comes up with the focal point of the room. That's something you'll hear designers talk about. There's a focal point. And everybody, when you walk into a room, your eye, either consciously or subconsciously, is drawn to the focal point. And then you build everything around that focal point. For some people, it's a TV, you know, that's the focal point. For other people, it's a nice piece of art. For some of you, it's a big deer head with antlers coming out. Not my cup of tea, but we are in Michigan, so I think for some of you, that, that's your thing. But it, it draws your eye and attention to it. And when you walk in a room that's well-designed, you see it, you're drawn to it, and you feel great in that space. You feel comfortable. You feel like, this is an atmosphere I want to spend time in. It all happens subtly and subconsciously. What is the focal point of our lives right now, church? What is it? You know, I'll be honest, I'm a goal setter. I like to learn. I like to educate myself. I like to read books. I like to do new things. I like to set goals. I like to go after things. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with trying to make the most of this life. As long as we know one thing, that only Jesus is going to bring fulfillment. Only when he's the focal point is everything else going to fall into place. And there's been plenty of times in my life where I've lost sight of the focal point being Jesus. And I put my eyes onto other things. I put my eyes onto the problems of this world, the fears of this world, the death in this world, the problems in this world. I take my eyes off of Christ. And when that happens, everything begins to spiral out of control. Anxiety takes over. Sadness takes over. Stress takes over. Worry takes over. Because that's what happens when Jesus isn't the focal point. You know, we sing songs, it's prayer and fasting. We sing so many amazing songs of how we surrender to God. We love God. He's in charge. He's in control. We love him. We worship him. And when we're in this place, we believe it and his presence is strong and we're focusing on him. But then you walk out those doors and you're hit with emotions, lies, hurts, pain, confusion, bitterness, slander. All that stuff is out there. And it takes its toll on us. I'd much rather walk in peace and in rest and in clarity and in joy. And that is possible even in this world today if Jesus is our focal point. We don't have to run for the hills, church. We really don't. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear the future like everyone else. Because it's temporary. Jesus is our focal point. With him, he's eternal. We will celebrate and live with him. Take this earth away from me. 
I got an eternity with Jesus coming. That's the beauty of all of this. You know, when I was a youth pastor, one of my first years of doing a summer camp, um, we went to this place called Pine Hill Camp. And we were doing this relay race, and all of us youth leaders were going to model the relay race for the students. We were showing them how to do it. And we had all these little obstacles that you had to overcome. And whoever got the best relay time for their team, they won the prize. So we were going to model all these different things. And I decided I was going to show the teens how to do Dizzy Bat. You ever heard of Dizzy Bat? Dizzy Bat's a game you play. And what you do is you put the bat down. You put your head on it, and then someone spins you around like this 10 times really fast. 10 to 15 times really fast. And then you have to run from where you are 10 yards in front of you through tires. You kind of do the tire thing. And then you tag a person, and then they go to the next spot. So... (laughs) I'm thinking this is not going to be a big deal. I've never done this before. (laughs) I made teenagers do this stuff, but I never myself jumped into actually doing it. So I got down and these teens made sure I was going in circles. And I'm down there like this and they're turning me around. They turned me around 15 times. And when I looked up, I said, Chris, keep it together. I tried to walk forward, and I just wiped out, straight on the ground to the right. And I couldn't believe how out of control I was. I really couldn't. So I I tried to get my composure, because I'm like, I am looking stupid in front of everybody right now. And so I, I get up, and I try to go straight, and I fall to the left. Like, I cannot walk straight. If my life depended on it, I couldn't do it. I ended up crawling over those tires to finally tag someone, and it took me so long. It was like the worst time out of anyone's time. It was was funny, but it was hard. And honestly, that's just kind of the picture that I see when we take our eyes off of Christ. You know, we see Christ, we see the line that we have to go. We, we know that in this life, he, at our core, we know for Christians that he's the thing that brings true fulfillment. He's the thing that brings true happiness. He's the thing that's going to bring ultimate satisfaction. And yes, we deal with pain. And yes, things happen in this world that we don't like. But we're going to keep our eyes on him. But then what happens is we get dizzy because we're getting spun around by all these other things. Tragedy hits. Man, I did not expect that. And you get turned around. Pain. Life doesn't go the way you thought. Someone hurts you. You fail in an epic way and find yourself blaming yourself for a life you never thought you would live. Dizzy and dizzy. And before we know it, so many things hit us that we're just trying to make it and move forward somehow. But the only way 
The only way to get back to where we're supposed to be, no matter what you've walked through, no matter what you've been through, the only way to rediscover hope is to get your eyes back on Christ. Is to believe he's good. And he's good because God sent him to us free of charge. To die a horrific death, to raise from the dead so that we can conquer death with him for all eternity. That's something I want to live for. That's something I want to tell you about. That's good news. In the midst of bad news, that's good news. Is we got Jesus to do life with. Don't forget it. Don't forget to do life with Jesus. Don't forget that he's for you, not against you. That he's with you. He promises to never leave or forsake us. In fact, Jesus said something that really set some people free. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. I'll take your yoke upon me and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're feeling a heavy burden. Some of us need to just take that advice. You know, when Jesus said that, those words, they had never really been heard before. Everything up to that point had been us working our way towards pleasing God in our words, in our actions, in our thoughts. Everything was about working our way towards God. So when Jesus showed up and said, no, I am the bread of life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Come to me if you're weary. It was a revelation that people couldn't even fathom. That there's a God who actually wants to give you rest He's not like this angry God who's trying his hardest to whip you into shape and get you to please him and do something for him. No, that's not who God is. Jesus said, just come to me. Just come to me. Just follow me. Don't listen to these lies that you've listened to your whole life. Don't follow what some of these religious teachers are telling you. Don't try so hard. You have the wrong picture of God. You think he's this being. He loves you. He loves you so much. That's why I'm here. I'm here for you. And if you put your faith in me and your hope in me and your trust in me, I'll give you rest. In fact, I won't just give you rest. I'll give you eternity. I'll give you rest forever. You're going to have some problems in this life. I can't make those go away. Even like Solomon said, good people, bad people, same thing happens. Tragedy strikes both. I can't protect you from all of that. But I'll give you rest in it. I'll give you peace in it. I'll give you eternity where one day there'll be no more tears, no more pain. 
that's what I have to offer. Church, let's not lose sight of who Jesus is in our lives. Let's keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. Do we really believe that's who he is? Let's bow our heads for prayer. There's some people in this place watching online. You've lost sight of that. If you're honest with yourself, you would say, I have completely taken my eyes off of Christ. I've put them on so many other things. I've put them on my work. I've put them on the state of the union. I've put them on the pandemic. I've put them on politics. I've put them on this. I've put my eyes on this. And I've let fear and panic take over a little bit. I'm worried. I believe Jesus wants to give you some peace today. I believe he wants to give you some rest today. There's some of you who are watching this online or in this place, and you've never put your faith in Jesus. But this makes a lot of sense to you right now. It makes sense because you haven't found satisfaction or fulfillment in stuff and in things and in this world. And you're saying, Chris, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to know him. I want to put my faith, I want him to be that focal point that you're talking about. Because I'm tired and weary and I could use some rest. If that's you today, I just want to pray a prayer with you. If you're watching online, just click a button that says, I commit my life to Christ and someone be willing to pray with you. But I just want to pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for every single person who's watching this, listening to this, any person here. I thank you that you want to give them rest. I thank you that you are the focal point of everything that we can find meaning in. And Lord, I pray that there would be a stirring in all of our hearts, a drawing towards you again to lift you high, to see the sun lifted high. And Lord, as we seek you, as we put our trust in you, as we put our faith in you, as we grow in your word and in your love, Lord, all the other things will begin to have peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Church, sometimes we complicate life. The things we think are such a big deal to us at the time, we make those things so huge in our minds. It's amazing how uncomplicated life becomes when Jesus is the focal point. It's amazing how uncomplicated my marriage is when Jesus is the focal point. It's amazing how much better business is when Jesus is the focal point. I'm telling you, you want an uncomplicated life? You want to uncomplicate things? You want some peace? Make him the focal point again.
Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.